Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Amen. I'm grateful to be sharing the word with you today. I'm really excited about it. I've got a message that I think is going to help you. I think it's going to encourage you. And so I, I hope you came ready. I hope you got your Bible. Do you have your Bible with you? If you do, let's start opening our Bibles up. We're going to read uh, from a story in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 6. You know, this is a famous story. It's actually in Matthew 7 as well. We're going to read Luke's account. Go ahead. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. We're going to read a few verses together before we start. Are you there? If you don't have a Bible, you can use the one in the seat in front of you. Pick that thing up. Let's read together in verse 46. Jesus says this. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me, hears my words and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a wise man building a house. Matthew has the word wise there. Who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. When a flood arose and the stream broke against that house, could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one, Matthew says, the foolish man who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground, on the sand, without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Let's pray together before we jump into the word, Lord Jesus. Lord, we're open and we're receptive, Lord. We give you permission to come and to speak to us and to change us, Lord Jesus. So use this time. Use my words. Holy Spirit, speak. Speak, Holy Spirit, because your servants are listening today, God. We want to hear from you, God, and we want to be changed by you, God. I pray we leave different than the way we came in, with a new conviction, with a greater revelation of Jesus Christ, with a new strength, with a new faith and a new hope. Build us today, I pray, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' mighty name. One more time, everybody said amen. amen. I want to talk to you today on the subject, Jesus, the solid rock. Jesus, the solid rock. You know, I've got two daughters and my youngest daughter, about a year ago, started doing this thing where she comes up to me and she looks at me and she says, daddy blocks, daddy blocks. And I'm her dad and I can translate, you know, what she's trying to say. What she wants me to do is she wants me to go with her into her playroom, to bring out her building blocks, to build a large tower, preferably taller than me, and then she wants to stare at the tower and marvel at it. She wants to look me in the eye, put both of her little arms out and smash the tower over. See, that's what daddy blocks means. I've done this over and over again and she's been able to bring all of those actions into two simple words, daddy blocks. For whatever reason, our toddler is obsessed with towers, but more specifically destroying them. And so it's, it's a thing that you know, we're, we're working on. But, but the other week on family game night, Melissa and I were looking for like a family multiplayer game to play, you know, something to play with the kids. Maybe we do go fish, maybe it's Uno. And so we're all looking through our games and kid comes up again and I hear it from the corner of the room. She sees something, she spots something in the corner and she goes, Daddy, Jonga. <laughs> Some of you guys haven't figured it out yet, but let me translate uh, our two-year-old's Jonga. What that means is it's actually the, the game Jenga the game where the whole objective of it is to be the person not to make the tower fall. She wants to play that game. But we have a history of playing this game with our toddler. We've learned a few things. See, we can't even make it into the first round. We, you know, we build the thing up, we do it right. Everybody's around the table. It's a really cute moment, it's fun. And what does she do? She puts her hands out and she smashes it over. She's two, so we have the teacher. No, you don't smash it over. You take your turn and then on your turn, you wanna pull one and you don't want it to fall. But this kid's smart. She figured out 
how to play the game by the rules and still get the result that she wants. She figured out that if I can pull a piece from the bottom, this thing's gonna come falling over pretty soon. So of course her turn comes up and what do you see? You see her little hands come out and she starts yanking at the pieces on the bottom and of course the tower comes crumbling down. Why am I telling you this? Why am I telling you about my toddler who's obsessed with towers and smashing them? I'm telling you this to say, when the foundation of a structure isn't stable, the whole thing comes, comes falling down. And it's the same thing in our life. If, if we want to be stable in life, your stability in your life will start with a strong foundation. It's gonna start with a strong foundation because the reality is we live in an unstable world. I mean, there's instability everywhere. The world is a shaky place. Life is shaky. Things can go from like steady and I can figure this out and I can bear this to shaky in just a moment, in just a quick moment. The flood can rise. It can feel like something, like in that story, right? It can feel like something is breaking against your house. Have you ever felt that way? I think society is shaky. You look at culture right now, they're calling good evil and evil good. It's shaking. It's unstable. People don't know what to think about their kids. They don't know what to think about their family. They don't know what to think about principles and values and truths. Society is shaky. Institutions are unstable. People are shaky. People are fearful. People are financially unstable. People are unsure who to trust. People are unsure who to turn to. There's a great instability in this world. It's an unstable place. What does the Bible say? In the last days, there will be, there will be times of difficulty. It's just the reality. Look at what Jesus says, so powerful. He says, here on earth, he says this about the last days, nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. So the problem then becomes, how do we find stability in a shaking world? How can we live stable lives? How can we get off the emotional roller coaster? How can we not have to be one week up and one week down? How do we not have to react to everything that comes our way? How can we find stability? Well, I wanna to propose to us today that Jesus Christ is an unshakable, firm foundation. Amen? The Word of God is an unshakable, firm foundation. Do you have the Word of God in your foundation? Because His Word will keep you stable through any storm, his word will make you steady through any wave. His word brings stability and strength into the life of a believer. What does the Bible say? The Bible says the word of God will stand forever. Forever. It will never falter and fail. You know, I love that we sang that song today. Christ is our, you know, do you have, you have no idea, but I had no idea we were gonna play that and Josh had no idea what, what I was gonna preach on. I just found out that he had put that in the set and come to find out the Lord is building this thing together. Christ is our firm foundation. Can you say amen? amen? He's our firm foundation. But then the question becomes, so if that's true, if he's a firm foundation, how? How do I build my life on Jesus? What does it look like? What does it look like to, to build a life upon Jesus Christ, to build a life on his word? Well, Jesus gives us the answer. In the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five through seven. If you've never read the Sermon on the Mount, I'd encourage you to read it. It is a phenomenal sermon. But what Jesus does is he gathers the crowd. The Bible says a great crowd is following him. He brings them all together. He goes up to a mountain. He sits down. He opens his mouth and he begins to teach. And maybe you've heard of the Beatitudes before. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. But he talks about a lot of stuff in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talks about anger. He talks about lust. He talks about divorce. He talks about retaliation. He talks about oaths. He talks about forgiveness. He talks about prayer. He talks about everything. 
He covers every single subject under the sun. And how does he decide to end this sermon? You think this is pretty important. I mean, God, how are you gonna end this sermon, Jesus? Where is this thing going? He decides to end it with a story we read, we read earlier. This is how he ends it. He ends it like this. Let's read it again. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me hears my words and does them. I'll show you what he's like. He's like a wise man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. He ends pretty serious. He says, wait a minute. You're all following me. He looks at the big crowd. You're all listening to me. But why don't you do what I say? You're calling me Lord, but, but you're not living like I'm your Lord. But you're not obeying and living on the words that I'm laying out. Because a lot of people, I think, I think most people, when you talk to a random stranger, you say, do you believe in God? And they'll say, I believe in a force. I believe in God. A lot of people don't have a problem with believing in a greater power. Most people do. It's undeniable. So many, many people believe in God. Many people may have even had spiritual experiences. Many people have even maybe heard of the Bible. They might have heard a Bible verse. But until you begin to live like the word of God is real, come on, until his word brings actions into your life, until you're building your life on the truth of the word of God, it's not enough. There will be no strength in your foundation. Strength is found in building your, your life upon the words of Jesus. And that's what he's telling them. He's saying, look, you're coming and you're hearing, but are you gonna do? Are you gonna do? Coming and hearing isn't enough. And he makes it clear that coming to hear isn't enough. Don't get me wrong. I think it's, it's, it's commendable to be consistent in your church attendance, but, but we have to add obedience to attendance. We have to add obedience to attendance. There's nothing wrong with coming. Obviously, it's a good thing. You want to come to Jesus. It's a powerful thing to come to Jesus. But where is the obedience? Where is the change? Where is the submission to the authority of the word of God? You know what will keep you coming and hearing? Comfort. Comfort will keep you coming and hearing. But the Holy Spirit comes in and he convicts. And conviction is uncomfortable because God's saying, I want to change this area of your life. But if we could embrace conviction, if we could embrace the work of God in our life, if we could embrace his word and allow him to do a deep work in us, then we will find within ourselves a strong foundation. Coming is not enough. And what about hearing? Well, hearing is not enough either. You know, hearing the truth doesn't change anything. Applying it does. You could hear the truth all day long. You could read the whole Bible, but until you apply it, there's no change. You know the famous Bible verse, uh, the truth will set you free. Love that verse. But it's not talking about knowledge of the truth will set you free. It's not saying just knowing the truth and through spirituality, you will be free of all things because you know the truth. No, let's read the full verse together. What does Jesus say in John? He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See that? See that word abide? Abide means to lay hold of. Abide means to not depart from. Abide means to cling to. What is he saying? If you hold fast to my word, obedience. Obedience is what unlocks freedom in your life. Not just hearing the truth, no. Submitting, obeying, abiding with the truth. Jesus desires obedience. God is looking for obedient followers, not just attendees and listeners. He wants obedience. 
You ever read that book, The Five Love Languages? Who's read that book before? If you haven't read it, read it. It'll help your marriage. You'll know your spouse's love language and it will be great. You'll have a great date night. Read The Five Love Languages together for a date night. That's a horrible idea. Don't do that. It'll take forever. But that book is so awesome. It talks about the five love languages. Do you know that God has a love language? But his love language isn't words of affirmation. That's why he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? His love language isn't acts of service or gifts. Why? Because the Bible says, obedience is better than to sacrifice. His love language isn't even physical touch and quality time. Although, look, I believe prayer and worship obviously is a powerful part of a Christian's life. I mean, we've got to be in prayer. We've got to worship. But you can love God and worship all you want. But what does he say? He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. God loves obedience. You want to make God feel the love? Walk in his word. Walk in his word. Obey. Come under. Submit to the authority of the word of God. God loves obedience. What does James say? But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts will be blessed in his doing. God will bless the obedience in your life. You will be blessed in your doing. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at the person next to you say, I'm a doer. (laughs) So what does Jesus say about this man who walks in obedience? What's the picture we get in this story of him? Let's read it again together. The Bible says he's like a wise man. Everybody say wise. Wise. Who dug deep. Everybody say "Dug dug deep. And laid a foundation on the rock. You know, the wise and the foolish builders didn't really have that many differences when you look at their story. They both had the same goals. They both wanted to build a house. They both worked. They both worked. They put work in. They both set out to build a house. They both built a house. They both accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. But there was one major difference between the wise and the foolish builder. And it was this, that the wise man dug deep. He didn't start by building up. Nope. He dug deep. Everybody say dug deep. Following Jesus will sometimes be more difficult. It will take more work. It will take more effort. You'll have to put some sweat into it. You're going to have to dig deep if you want to follow Jesus. It will not be easy to live a life following Jesus Christ. You're going to have to dig deep. You're going to have to dig deep. Say dig deep. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. You've got to dig deep. We've got to press. Sometimes in your walk with Jesus, you've got to ask. You've got to seek. You've got to knock. You've got to persevere through. You've got to dig deep because God's trying to do a work in your life. You might have to dig deep and pray. You might have to dig deep and pray where God's saying, hey, keep praying for this thing. Keep believing for this thing. And you can't see it, but I'm digging deep and I'm going to keep praying and believing that God's going to do it. Maybe you lost your job. And you're trying to figure out, hey, how am I going to recover from this? How am I financially going to recover from this? My resume is not that great, and that job was better than I should have had. Keep praying. Keep digging. Amen? Keep pushing through. Maybe you've been praying for a family member to experience salvation. Parents praying for your teenage sons and teenage daughters. They walked away from God. Keep digging. Keep praying. God will work a miracle, but you got to keep digging. Sometimes digging is submitting your will to God's will. You got to say like Jesus, God, not my will be done, but thy will, your will be done, Jesus. You got to dig deep for that. Why? Because when you come to God, 
You might have to give up some dreams. You might have to give up some aspirations because he wasn't in those dreams you had. Because he's not in those business aspirations you have. It's about money or it's about pride or it's about you. And God is saying, are you going to dig deep and are you going to give this thing up? Are you going to submit to my will? Digging deep is submitting to the authority of God. When he comes and he convicts you, when he says, go forgive your wife. Will you forgive? Will you have the conversation? Will you dig deep to obey the words of God? We got to dig deep. We got to dig deep. Sometimes digging deep is just trusting God when things don't make sense. Boy, I'll tell you, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, is that true? Things just don't make sense. I thought I was supposed to be blessed. I thought things were supposed to be easy. I thought my life would be easier when I found Jesus. But can you trust God through the process? Can you trust God even though you're walking through the shadow of the valley of death? Can you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding? That verse looks great on our fridges, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's a little different when you can't figure out what is going on in my life. Why would this happen to me? Why would this happen? Do you trust that God is in your corner and he will work, not some, all things together for the good of those who love him? Come on, you gotta dig deep. I think sometimes people are a little bit nervous about digging deep because when you dig, there might be some things you uncover. Whether you put it down there and you buried it, whether somebody else buried it, whether it's there and you had no idea, Sometimes people can be a little nervous to dig deep because something might get uncovered. Something might come up. There might be some anger that you have that it might come up if I begin to dig deep and begin to press for, the, for God. There might be some bitterness in your past. There might be some anger. There might be some past hurts. There might be unforgiveness, whether with somebody else or maybe there's something you can't forgive yourself for and it's down there and it's buried. And God, you can dig everywhere over there, God. But over here, I got some caution tape. Can't you see, Jesus? I set the caution tape up, Lord. You can't come over here, you know? You can't touch this area of my life. This is mine, that we can dig. You know, you come into church, we sing that song. I love that song, I surrender all. I surrender some. Yes, I surrender. Everything except this one thing right here, God, not this. And we do that to God. We pretend like we're giving everything, but there's this thing back here that I will not dig deep and go after, but God is calling you today to dig deep. Come on, dig deep, uncover it, bring it to God. There is nothing covered that you cannot uncover that the blood of Jesus cannot cover. The Bible says love covers the multitude of sin. So this is the God that we serve. He wants to bring it up to bring healing into your life. He wants to heal it. He wants to help it. And so uncover and dig deep. Everybody say, dig deep. We've got to dig deep if we want to lay a foundation on the rock. What does Jesus tell us? He says, difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. It's going to be difficult. You, you want to make it through life? You want to find life? You want to find stability? You want to find strength? Jesus says it's going to be difficult. The way is going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy. More than that, he says, few find it. You know, it's so funny. The word of God is eternal. It's not funny. It's powerful. The word of God is eternal. It's eternal. So if Jesus said few find it, that will eternally be true. Most people do not find the way to life. 
because the way is difficult. Some people, few people build their life on the rock, but most, most are like the foolish builder and they're building their lives on sand. There's no rock. There's no stability. What does the Bible say about the foolish man? It says his house immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. People can work hard their whole lives to build something that in the end, because it's built on sand, just crumbles. It just means nothing. I mean, you can work hard to set your family up. You got your business venture, you got your job, you got your planning, you got your five-year plan, your 20-year plan, you got your kids' college all paid for already, you're ready for that to go. You got everything figured out. And in the end, when the flood comes and something hits your house, because the foundation is sand, it's gonna crumble. It's crumbling, it crumbles, it falls apart. The only foundation that is stable enough to survive a storm is building your life upon the word of God. Building your life upon the words of Jesus. What's sand? Sand is building your life on business ventures, building your life on comfort, building your life on aspirations and investments and causes. It's all sand. Building your life on the status quo, keeping up with other people. Comparison is sand. When we first got married, Melissa and I tried to find a show we could watch together. And, uh, you know, you try to find something that you could kind of enjoy. For me, I wanted to watch like epic movies. Like I was like, let's watch Star Wars, like one through all of them, and then we'll watch them again. Let's watch Lord of the Rings over and over and over. I want to watch some epic movies. Well, she wanted to watch HGTV. And I can proudly stand in front of you today and let you know I am a proud fan of HGTV. So you can see who won that fight. It wasn't a fight. It was a discussion. <laughs> I want to watch Star Wars, HGTV. I love HGTV. I've watched every HGTV show about fixing houses, flipping houses, buying houses, selling houses. I've watched everything from House Hunters to Property Brothers. I've seen them all, folks. Seen them all. I love it. We watch HGTV pretty often. And uh, the other week we were watching a show and the whole premise of the show is that, you know, they buy an old house and they, they flip it and they put all this money into it and they sell it for way more money than they should be able to. And people buy it and they're like, oh, beautiful. But they have no idea what the condition of it was before. So they walk up to this house and it's listed for $4,000. And I am, I look at Melissa and I'm like, can you believe they're selling that house for four? And we can't believe it because the camera shot's pretty far and from far away, it looks like a decent little house, 4,000, you know, then they get a little closer. And you can see where I'm going with this. The thing's not looking so good when you get a little bit closer to it. It's kind of falling apart. Doesn't look all that maintained. Uh, doesn't look like anybody's lived here for a while. The windows are falling apart. The door's kind of nasty. And they go inside the house, and it's worse. There's trash everywhere. There's destruction. It's an absolute mess. Animals have come into the house. And they're walking through like, this place is bombed out. Then they head into the heart of a home, as we say it, right? The kitchen. And in the kitchen, right there in the middle of the floor, is a massive sinkhole, just right in the middle of the kitchen. It's huge. And it's almost like the whole house is collapsing from the kitchen. You know, I remember the host even said in the show, it was as if the earth was swallowing the house. That stood out to me. It was like, oh my goodness. But what had happened was, the foundation in the house had failed and caused a sinkhole to form and it began to collapse the home. What am I saying? I'm saying that a faulty foundation can collapse a home. When you build on sand, that can collapse your home. That can cause some carnage in your life. And you know, 
You know who, who, who gets hurt the most when things happen in homes? It's the kids. The kids suffer. The kids go through difficulty. Mom and dad haven't figured it out. Divorce happens. It's the kids who suffer. Trials and tribulations happen. There's grief. There's pain. It's the kids who suffer. It could be as simple as like mom stubbing her toe. And because there's no peace in the home, mom stubbed her toe. Be careful. Don't go near mom today. She's not having a good day. Stay away from mom. Dad had a bad day at work. Watch out with dad. Don't go near dad. He's going to go to his office and not talk to anybody. It's the kids who suffer. Why? Because there's sand. It's missing stability. It's, it's missing strength and its foundation. It's sand. You're at the mercy of the wind and the waves. You're at the mercy of the rain. You're at the mercy of the flood. But, but this is not the life that God has for us to live. God doesn't have instability for you. Maybe you feel like this is the type of home you've been living in. Maybe you feel like all you've known is instability. Well, here's the good news. The good news is Jesus is in the home relocation business. Oh, he'll relocate you. Salvation is like God showing up with that wide load truck and a huge crane and it goes over your house and it's beep, beep, this one over here, we're gonna move this one next. And he picks up your house and he sets it upon a new foundation. He sets it upon the rock. Before you're saved, before you know Jesus, it's like you live on sinner sandy shores. That's where we live. The tagline is the best worst life. Sinner sandy shores, it's shifty, it's sliding, it's difficult, nothing's stable, it's sand and sand and sand and sand. But what does Jesus do? He picks you up and he brings you to a new community. He places you into solid rock city where now you have a strong foundation, where now your foundation is built upon a rock and he changes the very core of your life. That's why salvation is so powerful because it changes your foundation. It changes the center of who you are. This is the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. What does the Bible say? He brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, steadying my footsteps and establishing my path. God will steady you. God wants to establish you. God wants to make you strong. What does it say about the wise man's house? Look at what it says. When the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it. It wasn't shaken a little. It wasn't unstable. It could not shake it because it had been what? Well built. Everybody say well built. Look at the person next to you say, I'm well built. You know, both of the builders couldn't avoid the flood. One was wise, one was foolish, but they both couldn't avoid it. But the difference was the wise man, he was prepared when the flood came because the Bible says he was well built, well built. The truth is, Christians, you're built different than the world. And you know what else? You build different than the world too. Say, I'm built different. We just are, and we gotta get, we gotta get used to the fact that you're built different. You build different. You're not going after the same thing as the world. No, we're different. My family's different. My kids are different. My job is different. My perspective is different. My personality is different. There's joy in me. You're built different. Why? Because you're well-built. God wants to make you well-built. wants to give you strength. You don't have to be falling apart. The world will never understand it. You know, it's like, 
if you put yourself back in that picture, you're moving over, you're leaving, you know, Sinner Sandy Shores, you're going into Solid Rock City, but your old neighbor from Sinner Sandy Shores is watching you to move. And now he's got his pair of binoculars out and he's watching you as you're changing your life. And he's trying to figure, he's nosy, he was a nosy guy, that was one of his problems. And he's watching you and he's seeing you move. I think they bought some land over there. I think they're, they're gonna build over there. They're gonna build a new house over there. And he's trying to figure out what's gonna happen. And, and at first he doesn't see any progress. It's like, what are they doing? I can't even, there's no work happening. But they don't understand. You're not building up, you're digging deep. You're going down to the foundation. God's doing a deep work in your life. Come on, when you first get saved, it might not feel like much has changed, but by faith, God is establishing you on his word. And so you're digging deep. And they can't figure it out. No, you're digging deep. You're establishing your life on Jesus. Now they start to try to figure out and make and question the decisions you're making about your life. Like, oh, look, it looks like they're going to church now. I think they're getting consistent. I think they join the A-team. I think they're tithing. What's that? They give 10% of their gross? That's wild. Wow. It looks like they put their kids in a Christian school. Oh, it looks like they're getting married. They were living together for 15 years. They're talking about living in covenant now. I think those people actually believe the Bible. Can you believe it? What does the Bible say? The Bible says the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. You want to be well built? You might have to look foolish to the world. You might have to do some things that are foolish. You might have to not be afraid of standing out and saying, yep, I'm different. I'm built different and I build different. Why? Because I'm well built. I'm well built. And how do you build well? You gotta build by the code. Come on, and God has given us a code. We have a building code that we build our lives by. The Bible is not an instruction manual that comes with an Ikea set of furniture that you toss out. No, you build your life on the word of Jesus. Don't put it on your mantle. Pick it up, open it up, talk to God. Say, God, change me, God, use me. God has given us his word. He's given us the building code. He's giving us the instructions, and more than that, Come on, we have the word. We have the word, but the Bible says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have Jesus. We have Jesus. Jesus is our unshakable, firm foundation. Church, I've seen what the world has. I don't want any of it. I want the word of God. I want the truth of scripture. No new idea. No new fads or trends are better than the ancient tested truths of the word of God. I want the word. I don't want what the world has. I don't want divorce for my marriage. I don't want perversion and confusion for my children. I don't want addiction and death and defeat. I don't want instability in my home. I don't want a shaky foundation. I want strength and stability. I wanna be well built. I want Jesus. Take the world and give me Jesus. I'll dig deep. Come on, I'll give it up. I'll say, God, I'll change anything, God. I'll bring it out from underneath the ground. Take the world and give me Jesus. As for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Take the world, but give me Jesus. God, we want to build on you. We want to build on you, God. If it's difficult, 
if we don't get it, if there's seasons where you go through life where you're crying because people don't understand and you feel like God doesn't understand, let me tell you, he's doing a deep work. You gotta keep digging deep. You gotta dig deep. I just see a picture of our church and I just see well-built families. I see families that look different than the world because we build by the code. We're not trying to change scripture. I'm grateful that every week when we come to Awakening Church, we hear the truth. We hear the truth. And God is saying to us, will you apply the truth? How long will you come and listen? My son, my daughter, the Lord is calling you to be a doer of the word. Stop deceiving yourself. Sometimes it's easy to not be a doer when you don't feel like the shaking's there. But I'm telling you, this world is unstable. This world is unstable and it doesn't live. You don't have to live long to realize that you need strength. Jesus is our unshakable, firm foundation. Come storm, come flood, come fire, come shaking. If your foundation is built on Jesus, you will not be shaken. The Bible says, truly, he is my rock. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. I will never be shaken. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.